You're listening to Soul Radio. Welcome back to Homeroom, a podcast series presented by Soul. I'm your host, Benjamin Aydin. In this series, I'll be speaking with some of the people I've met on my journey as a founder and creative director of Le Benjamin. These people are friends, but also have served as mentors and guides, sharing advice and experience. In these conversations, I ask them questions on what drives them, what inspires them, but also advice on what it takes to make it in their respective industries. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Yasin Saidi, Global Head of Puma Select, about his career path, working for some of the largest global sportswear brands, forging collaborations with the likes of Rihanna and The Weeknd, as well as of the launch of his new venture called The Agency. Yasin, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Benji. I'm excited that you have your own podcast with Sol Yigvi. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a real moment and uh, you're one of the first that I talked to, so I'm honored to start with you as well. Thank you. So Yasin, you have such a mixed background with North African heritage, a French upbringing and working across the globe. Where do you feel like you're from? Yeah, that's a, you're starting pretty uh, pretty broad. I mean, my parents were uh, Moroccan immigrants uh, in France, and uh, and I grew up like uh, in a Moroccan household in a Western culture. So I've been uh, I've been kind of mixed in in all sides. But uh, I mean, the more uh, I grew up and, and and time passes, the more I feel myself belonging to Morocco. So I'm spending more and more time there. And uh, I feel the need to reconnect to uh, where actually my roots are from. So do you feel like it had a lot of effect in your work and uh, the person who you are? It definitely uh, did. I mean, because we have a certain way of articulating ourselves on behaving and thinking as well. And especially when you're immigrants, um, I tried all my life to blend in in a Western culture in France. I, I think I did, I did pretty okay. But trying to blend in is not something natural. You know, you have to make an effort, and uh, which is not the case for any of my friends that are born and raised French. Uh, I was different, and I was different uh, alongside many of the friends that had the same, uh, the same uh, origin and the same um, immigration um, history. So um, we've been part of this, and that's part of us. I think that makes us way stronger. And that makes us seeing things differently. And uh, it definitely helped me uh, while traveling and uh, and being able to adapt to uh, to situation, being adapt to to countries, to different cultures. I think easier than if I was just born and raised uh, uh, in one single place. Yeah, and I also know that you work with Moroccan artists like French Montana. Is there like any other Moroccan? Um, artist or collaborator that you've worked with, and how was it to work with someone that, like from your home? I mean, I mean, the, the experience with French was uh, was um, was actually pretty unique because it was a, a group of friends. I mean, with uh, with the weekend, I was actually with the weekend. French is represented by the agents, um, the same team, and uh, and we get to meet uh, each other like this. Also with another friend as well that is from New York. Uh, Lola Placou, she was actually managing all the uh, French social media and we were friends before I actually met, uh, met him. And when we met, we basically hit up uh, from, from the right from the right point where we were talking Arabic. You know, we met in, um, 
in an event in uh, in LA. And then the the same evening, I went to his house and uh, and we became uh, we became close. And uh, and I've done a shoe for him, a one of one Moroccan flag uh, Puma Suede. And uh, and yeah, I was very excited to do that for him. I'm really excited when I see Moroccans. Uh, succeeding and, and there's many succeeding in different fields and in general North Africa because that's what I believe I belong to and we we share all the same culture. I feel like it's really difficult for Moroccan designers or creatives to kind of have a global platform similarly to Turkey and uh, I feel like these kind of projects really give strength to people creatives it's it's an amazing project you've done and I'm sure it's a very special one that touched your heart Yes, um, it is. It is, and uh, and uh, to add to that is, uh, I was in Marrakesh like um, just before the lockdown, and I've met uh, uh, Hassan Ajaj that you guys know, and, uh, and of course, he's a big inspiration of my work as well. And he's been uh, also participating in SoulDXB first editions, and uh, I went to his uh, Riyadh in Marrakesh, and we had a conversation. I visited his studio, his work, and uh, that just made me proud, you know? That just made me proud of seeing him uh, succeeding. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and seeing creatives, uh, Moroccan creatives succeeding uh, around the world, I think uh, we, we're not many uh, yet, but uh, there's a strong resource and a, a strong envy to actually go after it. I know your story, but uh, I, today I want to ask also a few things that probably I don't know. How did you become uh, the Yassin Saidi you're today? What was like some difficulties uh, that you faced? I know that you worked for Adidas as well. You know how how were those days? It's it's funny the way the way you put it. Um, I mean, I think I've always been who I am, but um, I just met some amazing people uh, in my journey that uh, trusted me and gave me the opportunities. To uh, to express myself, and um, you don't you don't succeed alone. Uh, you don't uh, you don't achieve alone. You, there's always someone with you, and that's someone en- en- enabling you um, to to do something. Uh, I, I don't put myself in the category of the successful people uh, because my role and my my uh, my job always been able to be a platform and a leverage for successful people to express themselves. You know, all creative people to to um, to uh, to express themselves. So, if if I can uh, give myself credit of success, is that I've been able to give opportunities to many uh, creative to uh, to succeed in expressing themselves. That's how I portray myself, and I will describe it. Um, the way I, I mean, the way I started is I always knew that I would be working in uh, in marketing. Uh, even though the word marketing was not existing when I was younger, we were using the word advertising because I wanted to work in advertising. Uh, I was always fascinated by the storytelling and how you can actually um, trigger an emotional um, an emotional action. I mean, it's it's uh, it's emotional, but it's an action of of buying and of purchasing a good. And uh, I, I said to myself, how can I basically um, which direction I will take for my career or for my job um, where I can basically uh, align my passion for sports and my interest for advertising. And, uh, and naturally, I graduated in, in a business school and then I started having internship. And the first internship are always the most important because they give you the first opportunity 
to taste the water and see if that's something you really want to do. And, I, and my first experience was in an advertising agency. And I remember we were basically uh, promoting uh, yogurts, washing machine uh, detergent. You know, it was very consumer goods. But I was fascinated by the process. Uh, I, was, uh, I was participating in focus groups, uh, having people talking about the product, also participating in testing phases. I remember uh, a project I was part of where uh, we were testing a new yogurt from Danone. And uh, it was a panel of like 20 people in the room and they were testing different tastes of yogurts, you know, and they were giving feedbacks. And that's what's interesting for me is uh, is when you see a product in a supermarket, there's a lot of people that work behind it and there's a lot of research. Even though it seems very basic, there's a lot of work and I've been fascinated by that. And then um, I had the opportunity to go study, to do a master uh, in Annecy or Bordeaux. So two very important cities in France where Annecy is the... Is the, is the home of uh, winter sports, like snowboard, ski, also skateboard. There's a lot of uh, skateboard companies there. And Bordeaux was the, the home of uh, surfing, where all the surf and uh, surf goods products uh, and brands were actually located. And uh, basically, I sent my, uh, my application to both of these schools, and both of these schools accepted me. But I decided to go to Annecy because I was really into snowboarding at that time. And I went there with the only objective was not to graduate, but was to have an internship in a, in a company that was uh, related to, to my passion. And every year, so I get into school in Annecy. It's a beautiful city. They have a beautiful lake. Uh, in the summer, we wakeboard. Um, I mean, we wakeboard early in the morning and in winter, we go snowboard. So it was like an amazing place to be as a student. And there's one company that everybody want to do internship uh, at is Salomon. Salomon is like the most important uh, ski company in Europe. And uh, I really wanted to, to be uh, in that company. What happened is they open one internship a year. Oh, wow. So imagine like 450 students in the master. Let's say 80 students want to get that internship at Salomon. So I, I, I'm one of 80. So the way I do it is I'm actually writing kind of an essay, but just to tell them what I think about the company, what they should do, and what I can bring to them. Okay, so it was a 20-page uh, but essay. But asked for you or? Um... No, it was not asked, but I said, I, I, I said to myself, I need to make a difference. I cannot just send my CV, you know, because uh, out of these 80 students that were applying to this internship, half of them were from the region. Half of them were from Annecy and half of them grew up on skis and snowboard. You thought out of the box. and Yeah, completely. I mean, that, that was the only uh, chances for me is I'm going to compete with people that maybe have a better CV, maybe they have a better grades, they, maybe they have a better experience and, and knowledge about the brand and, and the sport itself. Uh, and I grew up in north of France where it's as flat as, uh, as a table. Uh, you can't ski, you can't snowboard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, so I sent my CV and my application letter with that essay and I get the, I get the internship. Wow, it's uh, pretty inspiring. And uh, how did it um, 
continue out of there? What made you move to Germany? We fast forward. So I do, I do my, uh, my six months at Salomon and, um, it was a, it was a great experience. And then because it's one of the biggest company, uh, in France in that, in that sports, uh, I do the second year of my master. I do another internship to a smaller company because I wanted to have more responsibilities. Uh, so I, I work in a small, smaller uh, surf company called Boards and More, still existing now. They're distributing windsurf, surf, skateboarding uh, goods. And I've done a six-month internship, and then they offered me uh, the marketing manager role uh, for the company. So I was the youngest marketing manager, head of marketing uh, in the in action sport industry in France at that time. Uh, I was 22, and I did two years there, and an amazing experience. I was working on snowboard products, uh, launches, but in the same time, I was doing sales tools for a new surfboard that we were launching. So it was like the full season because we were working in winter and in summer. So it was very active, learned a lot, met amazing people. I started to travel the world uh, at that time where I was doing photo shooting in amazing places around the world. And then I got bored. I got bored very quickly because I felt like um, I've uh, the room for me to grow in the company was where was very small. It was a distributor, and what I wanted to, is to be at the source of the product. Uh, I wanted to create products. I didn't want to just execute a strategy. I wanted to be at the starting point of that strategy. So um, I remember going home once, and that was this documentary about the World Cup '98. And the documentary was about comparing Adidas and Nike strategies in the World Cup 98. You have to remember that France won the World Cup in 98 and France was sponsored by Adidas and Brazil was in the final of the World Cup and was Nike team. Okay, so they were following both teams, but both teams from the marketing angle. Okay, so I just, I just was fascinated by this uh, documentary and I've decided to send my CV to both of these companies, Nike, Adidas, and actually Puma. I was like, I was working on my CV and I said, you know what? I'm going to send it to everyone. And I didn't went to work the next day. I said, I need to take time for myself to work and prepare that CV, which I did. I think I didn't go to work for two days. And then I sent these letters to these different companies and I was waiting for an answer. Okay. And it was no email at that time. It was letters. (laughs) And, um, so we're talking about a time that um, almost like almost like uh, 18 years ago, 18, 90 years ago. So um, I received a letter, two weeks later. The first letter came from uh, Puma. And Puma said that they don't have a job for me and they wish me good luck. So that was the funny thing. And I still have that. So problem. in your life, you also had rejections. It's, I mean, it's part of life. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I had a lot. I mean, I had a lot. That's exactly part of, uh, part of life and part of uh, the growing experience. I think you have to go through that too. So then I received a letter from Adidas and Nike almost at the same time. And uh, Nike didn't have a job, uh, but Adidas wanted to meet me. So I met, I went, um, I drove to Strasbourg which is northeast of France, and I've met them. And uh, two months later, I was working at Adidas. The first job that I had was merchandising. So that means you're going to the headquarter in Germany, you do the product selection, and you're actually selling it uh, to your own market, and you have to build your own strategy. So what I did, what I did, and I had a lot of, a lot of fun doing it. 
I was far from uh, from the excitement of working uh, on snowboard and surfboards because I was working on a category which called accessories, which was footwear, no, which was sorry, socks, caps, and bags. Okay, so nothing very exciting, but it was a great opportunity in retrospective now uh, to learn about the job, to learn about the company because you don't have so much pressure. You just learn and you meet people. So what was great, but there was one job was uh, the merchandising job for tennis. I wanted to basically run the tennis business for Adidas because first of all, that was my sport. And second, because it was, it was a category where there was a lot of investment because Adidas was uh, sponsoring uh, the French Open, Roland Garros. And when you match the tennis business, you actually also match the tournament and the partnership with the tournament. And that's what I wanted to do. So I was playing tennis when I was younger. I was not that bad. And I, I had I, I really had fun playing tennis. So I said, why not? So that was the job I wanted, but someone was on that job. And a couple, uh, couple of months later, the job was just open. And uh, I applied for it and I got the job. And I was, uh, I was running that business for, uh, for about a year and a half. And I got very, very close to uh, the global team because I was feeding them with some insights. Uh, I was very collaborative, working very closely to them because I wanted to be successful. And that energy that I brought and that, um, that result that I brought also in the French market led them to offer me a job in the headquarter. So... Uh, fast forward three months later, I'm heading, uh, I'm heading up the tennis business uh, in Germany. And uh, I'm working with athletes. Uh, that was what I wanted to do. I work with Novak Djokovic. I work with Andre Agassi. I go to Las Vegas for the first time. And I spent a week with Andre Agassi when he was off Nike. Um, I did the first Novak Djokovic signature shoe or the first modern signature shoe at Adidas. I meet amazing people that that I still talk to some of the some of the agents of players today we 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 kept good relationship and we are also thinking about doing something together and this is like almost 12 13 years ago and and we reconnected during this uh, this pandemic but we also had a funny and, moment uh, when I was in Dubai and I was in a meeting with Adidas and uh, yes. I, I I met Johnny and suddenly it turns out that you guys were working together back in Adidas yeah, yeah, exactly. These moments are I mean, like, the, it shows that you really uh, nurture and you really care about your relationships and people have uh, good thoughts about you, which is... Uh, I, I mean, this is very important. I mean, being, uh, being, um, I mean, being good to people in general, of course, it is, it is very important. But also, uh, I don't treat people and I don't talk to people based on their uh, job description or their business card. You know, I think this is very important. very important. I can look, uh, I can look a, a, a music artist, a CEO, or or, uh, or a driver in Uber at the same level. You know, it's uh, I have the same level of respect to all of them, and uh, and I think that's what makes it different. And that Adidas you know? last name and that Puma last name, it sometimes is a, a difficult uh, position because some people reach out to you and. They have certain agendas and interests, and you 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 really can't know which one is organic and which one is not. Yeah, I mean that's that's very fair, and I realized at one point that uh, people thought that my uh, last name was Puma. <laughs> you know, I was called Yasin Puma. You know, so um, that it becomes dangerous because you recognize by your um, 
by your job title. And that's always where I try uh, to move away from, you know, because once you don't have that job title or when you move, you want this relationship to be genuine. And uh, I'm fortunate now um, uh, after moving away from uh, being a Puma employee that uh, my relationship are still equal than what I was just uh, working for Puma. And I think this is a, this is, this is a, um, an important test. You were at Adidas and you moved to a smaller competitor. What, are, what were like the opportunities and limitations and how, how did you, why did you make that move? You know, I, I consider myself as an entrepreneur, even working uh, in a corporation, I always see myself as I'm owning my own business. When I was uh, managing the accessories business at Adidas, I felt it was my own company. When I was running the tennis business at Adidas France, I ran I ran it as it was my own company. Coming to that, and also so you you are the you are part of the startup uh, of the Select program at Puma, which yes, which is also kind of an yes, uh, entrepreneurship slash startup that you mentioned in your. It, was, it is actually, it is actually uh, being an entrepreneur. It's, uh, it's uh, when I decided to finally move to Puma, I had the opportunity to meet people and to work with people that let me express and myself. How do you, how do you build up that culture within like a legacy organization? Because there are so many structures, there are so many politics per se. How do you uh, reach out from that and build something from scratch? I think the most important is uh, being able to see the opportunities. Uh, when I decided to go to Puma and and not Nike, is because I felt I had more opportunities to exist and to change uh, uh, the status quo at Puma rather than do it at Nike. That's why I chose that. When I started Select, uh, I felt that was an opportunity for Puma to go back to actually the sneaker uh, and fashion culture that Puma had way before me. Huh? Yeah. You know, I think this is also very important. I joined Puma in 2011, but we have to remember that in 2000, in 1998, Puma signed its first fashion collaboration with Jill Sander. And Puma was the first brand to ever do it. So Puma always been uh, uh, a company and always had the culture to actually change the status quo. I just arrived at Puma when it was a 10 years flat, okay? When it was very difficult for the brand to reinvent itself. And that was the opportunity for me to propose a strategy and to propose a plan and to propose a vision that could actually change the vision of the brand. And that's why I had support internally. I didn't went through heavy politics. Of course, there's politics at every level. Once you have hierarchy and once you have job description and job titles, you have politics. That's mm -hmm. everywhere like this because it creates an environment of power and decision. Uh, but I felt that I was protected from it. I was protected from it because I was surrounded by uh, people that wanted to make the change in the company and they thought I could represent the change. And, uh, and also what I've done, I haven't done it by myself. I was not alone. I've worked with amazing people and my brand director at that time, Adam, was a great supporter and he was a great partner on setting up the whole, um, the, the whole select approach. And what we've done is we've built a team in London 
of 12 people, which I hired one by one, coming from completely different uh, backgrounds and different nationalities. I wanted to build a team that will represent a representation of the world, but representation of different level of creativity. And that Puma gave me the opportunity to do it. And going back to the entrepreneurship, I felt I was the CEO of that group. You were always kind of ahead of the curve. You were always finding the new and young talented artists, uh, designers. It shows that you actually like to take risks. A lot of people now, especially brands, they don't like to take risks in emerging markets specifically. So you see a lot of brands that collaborate with uh, artists and designers from North America or uh, Europe, but you're actually um, collaborating with a person from anywhere. Yes, I mean, there's a reason for it. There is a reason for it because I always encourage creativity. And yes, I have huge respect for creatives that made it, in a sense, publicly. But I also have great respect for all creative of all sorts. And um, what made us go after up-and-coming brands is uh, the rationale of the business model we were, we were going through. So I was operating in a very tight marketing budget and very tight um, design fee or, or contract budget that I had. So it was a time when I started that no, nobody that was uh, successful wanted to work with Puma. Puma was not seen as a brand to collaborate with. Because it was very difficult for designers from Turkey to, to do a global collab. And I think it also was the first global collab here in this region. So yes. um, you gave that opportunity to me. And I feel like this also will inspire a lot of other artists that are here in this region that want to do global things. I think what is very important, and that was the, the starting point of the strategy, I wanted Puma to be a, a creative platform for creatives. You know, I, I, there's a there's a there's a quote from from this brand in Amsterdam. TNO says, uh, "Creatives are the new athletes," and I'm really into that. I used it in a couple of my presentation. Creatives are the new athletes, and it's so, so true. true. When you look at uh, what you look at, Adidas, Nike, or, or, or Puma, and other brands. They treat their collaborators like they were, like they used to treat their athletes the same way, you know. And um, and uh, when you have an artist performing, it's like you have an artist going to the Olympic Games or doing a tournament. You know, it's exactly the same way. The only difference is we we are working with the artist to create a new identity through product and being able to 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 merge uh, Puma's DNA to a brand on an artist's DNA, I think it's very important and it's very exciting. That's, I think this is one of the best things uh, I do and I like to do. I really enjoy working with designers from both sides, from a Puma side or from, uh, from our partner side. That's a, that's a very exciting um, exercise. And Puma being a creative platform, that also means a creative platform which is global, which is finding talents in Korea, like we did with um, with Ader Error. You know, I think Ader Error, we were the first one to see them, and we signed them, and and you as well, and so many others. And I think this is the opportunity that we had with Puma, is we were very agile, 
and being able to engage uh, with creatives and just create products and stories that are meaningful. And some of the products and some of the collaboration has, are very successful commercially. Some are less successful, but that's almost secondary in the act of creating. I think that's the best approach. And also you've been collaborating with profiles like Rihanna, The Weeknd, Selena Gomez. But at the same time, you're collaborating with young and up-and-coming artists from Korea or elsewhere. For me, there's no difference between working with Rihanna or working with Eder Error because there's one objective is to create something unique. There's one objective is to create something that represents the partner and the brand. Then you add the energy. Everybody is very excited to be around the table and create. Everyone. And at almost at the same level. The main difference between working with you or working with Ader or working with Rihanna or, or The Weeknd is the time that we spend with each of them. We, Benji, we work together on three yeah, days I remember. to find the collection together, but drop, okay? So when we work with Rihanna, she comes with her team. It's super prepared and she already have a vision. Very, very, have very there been moments clear. where she uh, wants to have, has, have her personality on the product at, at the point where you feel like this is not going to work and how's the conversation? I mean, I had that noticeably uh, with Rihanna, but I had that with other partners. Of course, sometimes you really question, you really question um, the direction, but you've signed that artist, you've signed that brand, you've signed that partner, you've signed them because you rely on their creativity and their identity. So it's very difficult during the process to say this is not going to work, you know, because you don't know. Even myself, I don't know if things going to work. But there's a in a in a creative process, you have the design phase. Now you have the brainstorming phase. Then you have the mood board phase. Then you have the proper design sketching phase, and then you have different rounds of sample before the product goes to stores. Okay, and that means you have different touch points and different opportunities of talking through the product and talking through the if the product makes sense or not. And uh, and uh, yes, and this is the case with every partner, and this was the case with Rihanna too. Um, it was I felt it was simpler with Rihanna because she knew exactly what she wanted, and it's very very clear. And um, and uh, it's sometimes it's more difficult with other partners because they have doubts, and doubts it's also part of the creative. And this is where I play the role on reassuring that this is the right direction or this is maybe too risky. Or sometimes uh, it's risky because I'm not sure the outcome of sample of the product will be good because they want to use a certain technique and so on and so forth. You work with Rihanna and she knows exactly what she, uh, she wants. There's no room um, to, to challenge or, or even to have doubts because you're so confident that what she's telling and what she's saying is the right way. And uh, and uh, and the reality proved it because everything we did with her was a, a huge success. You also just decided to move, move your own path, uh, stopping a full-time position at Puma. How did that uh, come along? As you described, you were just going up the ladder in your career. 
why not go higher in the path that you are? Why did you decide to open your own agency and uh, stop the position at Puma? Um, I get to a point. I get to a point. I mean, I mean, let's uh, let's go back a little bit. I've never been chasing uh, job titles. Okay, what I've been chasing in my career is the opportunity to lead a project uh, from A to Z. And, uh, and I have to say that my last corporate experience fulfilled everything that I always wanted. I've built uh, a business with a great team that today Puma will carry in the, in the future. You know, uh, we've built a platform for the brand to keep growing. And, uh, and that's what I'm the most proud of. I'm also very proud of having been able to hire amazing people amazing talent that also left Puma and they continue their career at Louis Vuitton, at Givenchy and other companies. And that's what makes me uh, the most proud is, is uh, leading uh, a successful project and leading successful people. Um, what happened is I had uh, a conversation initially with The weekend and his team and uh, for me to join them to join them on 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 working on a, on a, a project specifically uh, that um, you will uh, you will hear about in a, in a couple of months from now because we are finalizing and then i had another headhunter calling me and asking me to work for another company and i had another company asking me to join them and i get in a position where i had so many offers and i wanted to do to them all and still be at puma I want, I want to help companies to actually reposition and, and grow. That's what I want. And that's what I do today with my agency. Um, I have a couple of clients where it's fashion or it's streetwear or where it's in cosmetics, um, recently in cosmetics as well. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of opportunities, um, for me and for my agency and still doing, uh, doing what I love. And uh, sometimes there's a lot of frustration being a consultant because you're not in the arm of executing. You're basically advising, consulting, building strategy. Sometimes you you execute, but... but uh, do you have some frustrations when you're just an advisor? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I have this frustration because I'm hands-on. You know, I'm not the type of person that's basically going to write a plan and just let people figure out. You know, and uh, I feel like it's, I don't give the full service. What I want is write a plan and execute the plan. It's the case for some of the companies I'm working with. And some it's just working on building collaboration projects. Some of them is just purely advising uh, senior management of some companies. So it's very, um, it's very different. And I still have my relationship with Puma, uh, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, they are my family, and uh, and I will always uh, support them as uh, as much as they supported me, and they gave me so much uh, in terms of opportunities, and and because of them that I'm in that position. And how has your schedule changed since you're at home and you have your new business going on? I've been traveling also because yes, I always had the opportunity to do a FaceTime call or Zoom or, or Skype or whatever, but I always like the physical contact uh, with people because it's more engaging. Um, and I'm still on that note. Uh, I think when flights will, will reopen, I will, I will go back to, um, to, um, to meeting people because there's a difference between a Zoom. Yes, it's very convenient uh, 
and you can get things I want to add things very this. fast. I remember but, uh, the day uh, when you flew to Turkey to talk to me and uh, Germany was uh, advising yeah. uh, not to visit Turkey. Remember? And Yes, I remember. It was the it was the time of uh, it was the time yeah. of uh, the attack, uh, the terrorist attack in Turkey, and uh, Puma was um, was uh, the 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 travel agency actually put the country in orange. So there's red, orange, and green, and orange is highly recommended not to travel. You coming to Istanbul to meet me during that time felt made me feel very special, and I feel like. This should be an inspiration to others that are listening here. We should never be afraid to meet each other. And I feel like the physical touch is something that will be there forever. We cannot be digital only. So um, I think that was something I wanted to add. Um, how do you feel like the economy will navigate through this climate change with all the things going on right now? And oh, do you think change is is an important uh, keyword for the future but you uh, for your brand let's turn the <laughs> question I'm the host now what's the major changes you're operating for your brand we're looking into brand. sustainability how we can fast speed that internally we don't want it to be a marketing play we want it to be part of our dna which is the most important part apart from that we are fast forwarding our digital projects Uh, we already had our digital plans, but uh, especially now, I think it's even more important to have a B2C than a B2B. Even though I respect and I love my wholesale partners, it's very important to be as close as possible to the consumer. I think this would be the best summary. I agree with you. I learned so much also, Yasina. I've been spending a lot of time with um, younger um younger kids, talking to them, understanding what their needs are. I feel like communication has to be more transparent as well. I think what we're doing with uh, this podcast as well, just to share ideas, because it's not easy to um, get knowledge nowadays, quality knowledge. I feel like knowledge is, has become so much more important than ever right now. And um, yeah, I think your story is... Like if I want to like summary, like summarize uh, what we discussed is like, think out of the box, challenge yourself. Don't take anything for granted. Take risks. Don't be afraid for change. Create. Don't be at the end where you're not creating because that's uh, limiting. Uh, learn and accept change and be the change. I think this is the summary of Yasin Saidi. And, and I would say also, uh, go get it because nobody's going to give it to you. Yeah. Man, Yasin, thank you so much for this. Uh, I was inspired myself and uh, I'm happy that we're friends. And um, it was great talking to you and I hope uh, you enjoyed it as well. Thanks for being part of this. Thank you, Benji, thank you Team Soul, for putting us all together. Be sure to tune in to our next episode, where I'll be speaking with my friend Burak Chakmak, Dean of Fashion at Parsons School of Design in New York City. For more on our series, go to soul.digital. You can also follow us on Instagram by going to at soul.dxp and at Benjamin Aydin. See you next time.
You're listening to Soul Radio.